Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Is there more to ancient obelisks than meets the eye? Why did the ancients associate certain places with the gods? And how did they move all those big rocks? Well, welcome to the 974th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Coming to you from WOONAM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. I'm Paul, flying solo today because Ben and his wife are taking a well-deserved day off in Boston. Returning to the show today via Skype is Reverend Michael J.S. Carter. You've seen him on the History Channel's Ancient Aliens, The Real 4400, The Abduction Diaries, and many more shows. And he's the author of Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials, and the Holy Bible. A New World, if you can take it, God, Extraterrestrials, and the Evolution of Human Consciousness. And most recently, the Metaphysics of Spiritual Healing, The Power of Affirmative Prayer. A native of Baltimore, Maryland, Michael earned his Master of Divinity degree from Union Theological Seminary in New York City in 2000. He has been a hospital chaplain, has served Unitarian Universalist congregations, and most recently moved to North Carolina to continue his ministry there. And I'm blessed to be able to call Michael a close personal friend. So, as Ben would say, Reverend Michael Carter, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Hey, brother. Listen, I just, you know, we were chatting before the show. Um, I've, I remembered, please give Ben a big hug because I've missed him the last two times. He was away last time I was on. Yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, it's, just how, it's just how, the, how, how it works out, but I miss seeing him. Well, we're going to correct that. We'll yeah. get him in some of our private calls, too. Yeah. So Anyway, okay. good Thanksgiving. It's good to see you. Great to see you, my friend. So in one form or another, there are ancient stone obelisks all over the world. Is there more <laughs> to them than meets the eye? Well, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to say yes because I'm one of those people. There's more to everything that meets the eye. <laughs> uh, they're, you know, they're located in some places: uh, London, New York, uh, Istanbul, Washington D.C., of course, Cairo, Rome, and Paris. And uh, I was always intrigued by. I have some here. They're just replicas of ancient Egyptian obelisks. You know, the, the, obviously the phallic, the, the, the. The structure, the way they're built, they, I mean, they look like rocket ships. Um, it's interesting. I think there's something that resonates in the human psyche or the human unconscious uh, with this form, with this shape. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of civilizations um, say there's something sacred. There is something sacred about them. I mean, they're reaching skyward they're towards the gods, if you will. Um, and again, because so many cultures have them, you know, if you see it or hear it once or twice, maybe coincidence, but that's not the case when we're talking about uh, the obelisks. One of the most, um, I took some notes, uh, one of the most famous ones, uh, obviously Egyptian and Washington, but uh, the, the Aksum obelisk in Ethiopia. Uh, it stands 79 feet tall, 79 feet tall. It weighs 160 tons. It was uh, built from one solid block of granite. Uh, I don't know. 
you know, I don't know. Um, Graham Hancock says that just because you can't figure out how it was done, you can't say it was extraterrestrial. Well, exactly. And my response to Brother Graham was, but you can't say it's not either. But you know, and and there and, and what's 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 fascinating about there's no there's no mortar. So you're wondering where what is the technology there? Uh, as as history has it, um, a gentleman by the name of King Izana built the obelisk in the fourth century. Um, again, 160 tons, and it stood in place for over a thousand years. You want to talk about durability, uh, and, and Axum flourished uh, as the center of power and wealth. You don't hear about it as much. Um, and it was initially erected, this particular one, to mark the tombs of, of, of royalty and of important leaders. There were about 50 obelisks erected in the city um, at the very beginning of, of, of the, when they were building it. What's fascinating, again, is that they were built without the use of mortar, and so from the early 4th century, talking about Oxum now, um, until the 10th century BCE, Oxum was one of the greatest powers on earth. I had no idea. It was a trade route between Persia and Iran. Well, Persia is modern-day Iran. Um, and Rome. And what else I found out about it was that it was a pagan kingdom. It wasn't a Christian kingdom at all. So we get back to this, this thing about the obelisk and, and what, and what they mean or, or what they did mean to, to the ancients. Well, one, one of the, um, speculations that I've heard and with all due respect to ancient aliens, I think occasionally they, they do a little reaching. But, you know, oh, anything's possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was some speculation by a number of people that because of the the stone, the, the, the makeup of some some or all of the, the stone obelisks anyway, that uh, they were communication devices. You can use uh, piezoelectricity, as it's called, mm-hmm. to uh, create some sort of... Uh, electromagnetic field or, or something along the lines of what Nikola Tesla was working on in uh, the late 1890s, early 20th century, <coughs> excuse me, for uh, sort of sending electricity through the air. So what say you on that? I mean, is that... You know, it's interesting. I, I mean, like you said, anything is possible. What I find a little bit intriguing is that, you know, here we are in Ethiopia where allegedly... Don't know. The Ark of the Covenant is there. And that was used as a communication device with Yahweh. Yeah. Right? And so it would not be too far-fetched to say that these individuals, this civilization, knew the secrets um, to this kind of technology. You know, that's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, they're both right in Ethiopia. uh, And the Ark of the Covenant, I think we could argue, at least circumstantially, there's enough circumstantial evidence to say that this was a communication device to to be in contact with Yahweh as an astronaut. I mean, that's why he's, you know, he said that he wanted them to use this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, what 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 gets me though is, um, you know, what they symbolize. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's what it symbolizes. 
humankind's you know, it's a common root for all of us that's, you know, like the Tower of Babel, right? You know, I'm not saying the Tower of Babel was an obelisk, but it had to be some kind of obelisk in a way, and it was shaped, it's shaped like a rocket. There's something about its form that appears to the human psyche. Uh, uh, you know, many of our own skyscrapers, right? I mean, I was in New York before the, you know, well, I was there during 9-11, and there's something about um, there was a resemblance. There's something about it, it expresses power and might. Uh, it demonstrates a closeness to the gods, and of course, rulers use this for their advantage. And and I'm thinking that perhaps these obelisks resonate to us. You know, like humankind, we're always looking upward. We're always reaching upward. We're always, yeah. you know, it's something fundamental to the human condition. And that, to me, is is is, is very. I'm I'm just curious about that. As far as you know, the technological aspects of it, I think that any conclusion we come to about them lends more credence to communicating with the gods using this godlike technology. If it's true what you're saying, uh, that that they were in touch with this energy that Tesla. Uh, in, in, in the 20th century was toying with and playing with A, where are they getting the knowledge and B, um, what, you know, what does that say about really how advanced these civilizations were? Well, uh, before we leave the subject, well, actually, no, no you're right. The uh, I think it's easier to conceive of ancient technology when we think of history as, and we've talked about this before, cyclical rather than linear. In other words, instead of going from power tools, or I should say uh, uh, stone tools to power tools just once over a, a you know, million, million and a half year period, most of which is empty, we know nothing about it. Uh, as many indigenous peoples, and particularly the American Southwest say, we've done that at least four times. Yes, yes. So, uh, inherited technology from previous civilizations Civilizations. that were technologically advanced, not necessarily spiritually advanced, but, uh, you know, I think it could help explain any inheritance that even our ancestors might have had in that regard. Now, it's funny, before we leave the subject of the Ark... um, I had a uh, seminary classmate from Ethiopia, and we were pretty good friends. And uh, the Ethiopian Christians tend to be Orthodox, so I said, uh, his name was Elias, and I said, Elias, why is it that all the Ethiopian churches have little models of the Ark of the Covenant in them? And this is before, this is the 70s, before anybody knew anything about Aksum, you know, widely. And he said, oh, well, that's easy, because it's in Ethiopia. Yes. And he knew the monk who guards it. Yes. And uh, I could tell you the whole story. It's not really right. But, but he said it, the Ark had killed two people in recent, in living memory, who tried to sneak into the chapel to see it, mm. according to him. So I think yeah, you, we really have a point. We're talking about, you know, electrical power or communication, whatever, when it comes to the things like the Ark. Uh, but getting back to the obelisks, um, and I'm going to get to a question here from our friend Peter in South America shortly. But I can't help but notice 
that on top of most of these obelisks is a little pointy thing that looks yeah. like a pyramid. And then you got the, the big pyramids that people talk about. So here's a question from Peter in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, please ask Reverend Carter. I have a question about a relative of the obelisk, the Great Pyramid in Egypt. The true purpose of the Great Pyramid remains a mystery to this day. What theory do you favor and why? I favor, uh, great question, uh, uh, uh yeah, I, I grew up, you know, and it was the the tombs. They were tombs of uh, the pharaohs, yep. and and I don't know. I I don't think I really bought that, but but that's what I was taught. I do think that it was used for multiple um, events. I I do think that it housed some type of technology, uh, uh, um, the, I, and 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 that the, the energy there was considered sacred. I do believe that you know there were initiation rites and what have you that took place there but i also believe that they had the knowledge of how to harness electricity uh david childress i think talks about this in one of his earlier books yes a technology of the gods or some title like that i i do think that um you know because i'm feeling that they were and just from my research I do happen to agree that they were in touch with off-world intelligences. They were so advanced. Um, and that this was more than just, we're going to build a, 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 a nice funeral um, building for Ramses or whoever the pharaoh was at the time. I, I also tend to think, though I can't prove it, that that it is a mystery, but I think people really do know what it's for now. But they're not letting that out to the public. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, because the guy, what was the Egyptian brother who was in charge of all the antiquity? Hawass or Hawass? Yes. He was very, very conservative in his uh, worldview about what these were for. I mean, he stuck to the party line, and I get it. Uh, but some of it just, I couldn't wrap my mind around. Yeah. You still see him here and there on television shows. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was do. a minister and of antiquities. Still, yeah, and, and he's Egypt. still, you know, um, yeah. parroting the party line. Yeah. Well, it's safe to do that, I guess. Um, one of the things, too, that's uh, interesting is um, there is one, I, I guess you can call it an obelisk, in India that's made of iron. It's in central India, and, and it never rusts. How does that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, um, I didn't know about this one, but but yeah, that that's you know again, it's it's it, it it's it's where what kind of technology is this? Yeah, where where are you getting this? Uh, and 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 that it never rusts. I mean, it, you know, after a while, you just have to say um, they were either in touch with or had the knowledge about how to use these materials. And some of them we're still dumbfounded by today. So do you believe... Our scientists, our, you know, archaeologists. Well, that's true. Uh, Regarding communications in the ancient world, I think we now know that uh, what we we refer to as prehistory, there was world trade going on. Yes. It wasn't like today, but I mean, people, I, I think our ancestors were not dumb at all. If they were, they wouldn't have survived. 
and regardless of where they got the technology for anything they did, there certainly was. A, I mean, you you can almost island hop from Scandinavia, you know, to Iceland, to mm-hmm. Greenland, to uh, Newfoundland, you know, which apparently the at least the the Vikings did. The Vikings did that. Yeah, and uh, I know that here in Rhode Island, uh, coal. Or, or I should say, in Greenland, coal has been found that came from a coal mine, ancient coal mine, in Rhode Island. So wow. you've obviously got stuff going on that uh, doesn't fit the old-time narrative of people being isolated from one another. Yes, and, and, and this is what um, I think as we go forward, uh, we're going to get a lot more of this kind of stuff, and there's going to be a lot more pushback, because basically what's happening is, uh, history is being rewritten. Yes. And and if you are vested in the old narrative, we talked about that before the show, you know, if you're a tenured professor or if you're an Orthodox minister or priest and all this new material is coming in, yes, it's very human to push back. But we're finding that what what we were taught was true is not, or it's only partially true. Well, the- and so people are seeing the world that they knew um it's 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 like a, a tremble it's 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 trembling under their feet uh, uh because what they built their beliefs on and what we've built our knowledge and erudition on is being challenged well it's true with, with the discoveries that cannot be denied that have been yeah. made by tenured professors and people with you know phd academics such as Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, yes, you know, this ancient uh, site that is at least ten thousand years old, probably twelve thousand or more, uh, built by a civilization we never heard of before, yes, with art like we've never seen, things of this kind, and again, it's um, something that 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 is pushing human history. Further back, yeah, 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 uh, and, and and you know they've got drawings with people with these giants, people with six fingers, which goes back to Genesis. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, you know it's really, really an exciting time, um, and we're finding out more about. They call it what? Polydactylism, where you're born with six digits or more. Yeah. And there, there's a, an ancient stele where a mother is talking about, what should I do with my child? They have six fingers. I mean, um, and then you go back to the biblical text about in uh, Genesis and, and Genesis 6 and this giant race. Um, it's really pushing the boundaries and rewriting history as we know it. And it cannot be taken. Well, who was it? Was it Victor Hugo? Nothing is as powerful as an idea whose time has come. And I think as we go forward, 23, 24, you know, as we move forward into this 21st century, there's going to be a lot of rethinking done about what we thought um, was set in stone. I was thinking uh, when you were talking about, Paul, um, you know, the, the spiritual aspect with the technology and I don't know why. Sometimes I go back over stuff. So the last few weeks I've been going back over this Eisenhower alleged meeting with um, the two races of extraterrestrials and the Grenada Treaty or the Grenada Treaty. And, um, you know, it's so, it's, 
it's 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 that it's that choice. It's it's you know, and I get it. I wouldn't have wanted to have to make the decision if all this is true. You know, when when the Nordics say, "Listen, you guys are splitting the atom. This is not okay. Uh, we will make a treaty with you, and uh, you know, you know, give this up, and we'll show you how to grow spiritually." And then maybe you get the toys. I don't know if they said that, but and they say he says no. We can't do this. We live in a dangerous world. We need to do this. I think, and then 10 days later, they conducted, the U.S. conducted a nuclear test. And then uh, this, this group of greys come along and allegedly, you know, the story, we make this treaty if we, you know, as long as they let us know who they're taking and that kind of thing. But when you cut away the fat and spit out the bones, it's the choice that we, that we make individually and collectively. Do I go for the material? Do I live my life based on that? Or, and I'm, I'm talking about for nations and individuals, or do I follow the spiritual path? It doesn't mean I can't have the other stuff, but I'll be able to use it in a wise manner. I'll be able to use it uh, um, without maybe hurting or destroying myself and, and, and everyone with me. And that's the parable, isn't it? That's what we have to go through each day. Which which choice are we going to make? And Eisenhower, again, if this is true, we're living the results of the choices he made. Well, that's a rather profound way to look at it, and I agree 100%. Uh, that, that brings up issues that uh, maybe uh, takes us a little farther away from obelisks, <coughs> but um, do these extraterrestrials, if that's what they are, extra-dimensionals or people from other times or whatever, uh, would they treat us and do they treat us as equals, equals enough to make treaties with? And uh, to me, I, you know, I, I, well, you know me, I, I tend to be very, uh, I question everything, right? Sure. And um, I did that in the seminary. It didn't necessarily endear me to uh, certain faculty members. But anyway, uh, the, the question <laughs> remaining, I mean, do we want to be associated with people who have, nifty flying objects or do we want to be associated with people who have uh, moral and spiritual uh, advancement, you know, which maybe they can go together, as you say. But the question is, um, can we trust any of this? If there was ancient communications by objects or uh, obelisks or whatever, uh, and some of it was from extraterrestrials, were they manipulating? I mean, there's no way to know any of this. Uh, or, or was it... Um, something that they were doing for their own benefit. Now, when we go into other countries and, and try and, quote-unquote, help people, I mean, we, we do, uh, particularly in, in mm-hmm. when disasters have occurred, yeah. um, there's always an agenda. That, that, that's the yes. human thing. Yes. You know, any, any human uh, leader will have an agenda. So, I mean, what say you about all that? I mean, um, if... We, you really couldn't, if you were an ancient, you really couldn't trust what was happening around you with, with this weird, these weird people of weird technology. How are we today supposed to uh, understand it? Well, this is what I would say. I, for, for, our, for our ancient ancestors, you know, they were, they were just, it was shock and awe, man. I mean, you know, these beings, you know, the technology, I mean, they were gods. Yeah. They were godlike. So, so I get it. Um, I'm thinking of today, though. 
Yeah, you know, I, I go back to the wise rabbi, right, Yeshua, by their fruits you'll know them. If, yep. if, if, if these folks come, if, if these Nordic or humanoid folks come to you and they say, look, we're not asking you for anything except that you cease and desist because you're playing with something that will destroy you. We've seen it happen. Oh, yes. Yep. Okay, and we're just saying we will teach you how to grow spiritually. And I don't know what the rest of the conversation was. Or maybe you get the toys later because you can handle it. Then I would kind of lean there uh, because that's just my kind of, that's just who I am. The, this, this, this group of grays come along, and I'm not saying all grays. This group of grays comes along. And Ike allegedly says, if you read over, he says, how can we refuse you? You're so advanced. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. We, You know, at this point in history, yes, we're the most powerful nation on the earth. We just split the atom over two civilian cities. You want to talk about war crime, but that's something else. Yeah. Um, what We can't do anything. So basically, his ba I, I, I can't blame him. I can't blame him for that. I wish that they had come clean afterwards. So the Greys, this group of Greys says, we want to experiment. We want to do ABCD. We'll let you know. You know, we'll, 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 we'll have, an, you know, whatever they told them. You know, what are you going to do? You can't say no. Well, you're afraid to say no because these people are, you know, six, they got 60th century technology. Yeah. Uh, so I get it. Um, however, it did subvert the Constitution. You're making treaties without, con you know, talking. And I get the fear and co civilization may collapse as we know it. I get that fear. But now, um, you know, we're still facing the age old conundrum um uh, slowly but surely, the government is, you know, try, still controlling the narrative about whether these beings exist or not. But it's 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 the age-old conundrum whether it's off-world intelligences or not. Do I chase the material? Do do, do I chase um, the logical, rational? Do I chase the weaponry? Do I chase this, or do I say, let, do I go the other path where I can grow? where I can learn to, to maybe not necessarily compete with my neighbor, but cooperate. This, you know, nations have this lesson, as do individuals. And when I look at that, as I say, when I look at that treaty, um, when I look at that story, it's, it's that times have changed, but humanity hasn't in the sense of, uh, we, you know, it's the power, it's the glory, it's we're going to be the top nation in the world, and that's the path I'm going to go down. And you can, a lot of time, fear can be rationalized as being pragmatic. We live in a, 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 a dangerous world, and yes, we just, you know, won, won another world war, but we, you know, it's a dangerous world. That's fear. Yeah. And so uh, the, these beings are saying, hey, but look what you're doing. Look what you're doing. You're going you're gonna to destroy yourselves. And we have to make those choices all the time. I, I, with Eisenhower, yeah, the self-righteous part of me when I first read it when I was younger. Oh, I could. Now, I'm, you know, I get it. But we're destroying ourselves. We're destroying, we're destroying this planet. 
And it's not that the technology, it's technology's like money, it's neutral. It's your attitude about it. Hmm. Well, on that note, let's take our mid-show break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, just Paul today, uh, on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our great guest, Reverend Michael Carter, so stick with us. We've unlocked the vaults, and we're replaying Casey Kasem's American Top 40, the 80s. This week is from December 5th, 1981. That's when Foreigner was waiting for a girl like you. Genesis got no reply at all. Barbara Streisand was coming in and out of your life. And Olivia Newton-John wanted to get physical. You'll hear those songs, all the top 40 hits, and the long-distance dedications from December 5th, 1981, right here on Casey Kasem's American Top 40, The 80s. You can depend on us for public service, Owen Radio. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on ON Radio, AM and FM. And we'll get back to our great guest, Reverend Michael Carter. Uh, You've seen him on Ancient Aliens. And uh, one little point, though, I I just wanted to clarify that we're not uh, intentionally bad-mouthing science. I think science and its it's, uh, disciplined thinking that it brings to subjects is very important, especially in fields like this. So we have great respect for it. But uh, we get a little impatient with it from time yeah, to time. Yeah, because science can become the new religion. Exactly. And, and, and you know, and science is supposed you're supposed to be open to other theories and other perspectives. And if you close that off, uh, if you write people off, whether it's Graham Hancock or Eric Van Donegan or whoever, then you're not being you're not being a scientist. That's very you, true. Very yeah, true. yeah, yeah. And so that's that's what we. I don't want science to become. The, the new religion in so far as, uh, you know, where we just can't let any new information in. I'm threatened by it. It's it's going to take away from my work and that kind of thing. Then you have to be careful uh, uh, because then it becomes an idol. Exactly. Or I paid a hundred grand for this degree and uh, you come in and question it. Yes, so, I can't let that in. I yeah, can't human let nature. any new information in. And this is how culture form. This is how... Um, you know, it's like a dysfunctional family. No new information gets in. Yeah, it's, uh, that's it. That's it. So uh, we're getting back to our ancient structures here, like obelisk. Uh, there's often great speculation about the the tremendous weight of these things and how they were able to erect these things. Uh, they vary in size, but mm-hmm. I think the uh, largest one I can't remember quite where it was, but uh, it's only a base now. Uh, so the question of quarrying. And carving, which are they, most of them are, pr- are pretty perfect. They uh, are. Some of them you can't get a, a playing card in. in the yeah, tree. right. So uh, where, where's that technology? I mean, how do you do that? Well, I, I, I don't know, but I'm thinking of Easter Island with the, those big, yes. great big statues. You know, which are most of them buried halfway in the ground. Right. They're, 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 and, they're uh, underground. That's everybody's just saying, you know, how the hey did they do this? But, you know, people don't think to ask the natives. Somebody finally did, and they said, well, this is how we did it. And as a matter of fact, they, they demonstrated. So, I mean, uh, again, I don't think we should shut off the possibility that people are pretty smart and figured out how to do, how to do it for themselves. But then again, there are, as you say, um, things that we couldn't do today without at least a lot of trouble. 
And the precision with which some of these things are carved, never mind erected, really makes the thing. So what say you about all that? Well, I say, like, you, you mentioned something, like just now, I didn't know that natives, I think I had read that, but I, I can't, I'm going to say I didn't, that they can show you how to do it. But there, but if you go back in some of the folklore, these natives, the people talk about beings coming down, That's giants, yep. helping them. And so, you know, for so many years, we said, well, this was an exaggeration, but they're telling you that our ancestors did this, or they showed us how to do it, and we've written it off. But, I mean, there's no other rational way, and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, if you want to just stick with left-brain logic, there has to be some technology used. You can't say slaves did it. You can't say free people decided, yeah, we're going to help you. But, I mean, these things weigh tons. Yep. So, so, yeah, so I'm, I, I, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm intellectually lazy, but it does make more sense of the ancient astronaut theory, at least, that, that, okay, now we can see, because like you said, some of these things we can't replicate today with what we have, with the 20th century, 21st century technology. Now, one of the criticisms I've heard of that approach (laughs) is that why would, you know, assuming they're from other planets, why would they fly uh, 20 billion light years to build stuff out of rocks? So sometimes I come back and say, well, rocks last. And they, they have certain properties that might have been useful. But, I'm, you know, I'm no expert in that. I'm not a geologist. I mean, what say you uh, to that criticism? You know, why would they? I, I, I say that, that, it, that they're not looking. They, they came to do more than that. It's not like they they just flew down and let's put this here and then leave. They were showing people how to use astrology, astronomy, how to use iron, how to use tools, how to look at um, uh, uh, how to grow spiritually, how to deal with your neighbor. They were, it wasn't just that. And I think that that's just the rationalist view. And besides, again, it's 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 the earth. It's it's our limited thinking. For them, maybe it's not 20 million light years. Maybe there's a wormhole. Maybe there's um, their technology. They weren't sweating, believe me. They weren't perspiring. They probably did this with lasers or what have you. But to say that that's all they came here to do, and and also sometimes the truth is in front of your face. Maybe they put that there to let people know that hey, you're not all that. Yeah. That they're, that they're, that you're not alone. You're not ready to accept it yet. But we'll just leave a little something over here for you to ponder. You know, as as you as we've talked about uh, elsewhere, uh, folklore is the vessel of the memory of the human race. Yes. And the stories, even jokes, little things that come down, were born when something happened in the human in human history that that uh, imprinted itself upon our psyches. One of these things, I think, is reflected maybe in the Greek myth of Prometheus. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the god the God who came down and gave man yes. fire and maybe electricity, maybe, I don't know, obelisk. I mean, who knows? But uh, he got in uh, all kinds of big trouble for that. Yes, he did. He yeah. did. And, and, and uh, if yeah. you look through all the myths of ancient uh, cultures, th- there were... Problems for the gods or whoever they were uh, when they when they did certain things without without authorization from 
the Most High. The, the biggest example most people know about would be in Genesis with the, the Nephilim, uh, the sons of God, quote-unquote, taking wives among men and uh, having children by them. Which yeah, has, yeah, yeah. So, obviously there was no prime directive, or if it was, it was violated. Yeah, this is the opposite of the prime directive. Yeah, yeah, and of course we could say with Anunnaki as well, if you look at Sitchin's work, because, you know, these gods were fighting each other according to him, and, um, uh, you know, human beings were fighting alongside of them, whether they were conscripts or not, right. they, they, they took sides. Um, but again, uh, you know, I, sometimes I look at the Book of Enoch. Oh, obviously one of my ancestors. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, everybody's ancestor at this point. And, and, you know, I say, you know, you know, Azael and some Jays, you know, the, 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 the angels who rebelled, the 200 who came down, they took wives, carried on, but they also showed us, again, astronomy, astrology, how to work with dyes, healing stones, how to work with energy. They gave us some pretty good knowledge. My thing is, now, we could debate theologically whether there was a rebellion against God, maybe it was a rebellion against, you know, this particular astronaut. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, is it, and I'm being devil's advocate here, but is it so much that what they did was wrong, which it was, but we weren't ready. They showed us how to use weapons, iron and what have you. But we weren't ready for it. And so, you know, fast forward to the Grenada Treaty, Eisenhower. You guys are playing with something that's not going to end well. You don't have the spiritual wisdom or maturity to do this. Well, you know, looking back in hindsight, it's always 2020. Maybe this this leader of this of these extraterrestrials, these astronauts, was saying, "Don't get involved. They're yeah. not there yet." Very plausible. They're, they're not there yet, and 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 you, there's there's going to be a heavy penalty. And they went down there, and you know, you see it in the movies and whatever. The extraterrestrial comes down, or the foreigner comes down, or comes across, maybe there's a war, they fall in love with one of the people that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's the stuff that movies and stories are made of, but, um, it still comes back to the basic thing is that humankind at that level of their development was not ready for the knowledge. Right. One, one of the, um, not to impinge upon the gravitas of our discussion here but uh i remember in the 1990s uh the boys and i you know ben and his brother older brother would enjoy sitting down watching uh, i think it was a golden age of cartoons and uh also claymation things of that kind uh, you know in the afternoons and there, there was a a show uh called kablam which is very little known it, it had a lot of uh, sort of variety and then one of the the episodes was Prometheus and Bob, and Bob was was this uh, you know blundering caveman, and Prometheus was, was this uh, alien in in a, in a nifty uniform who came down in a flying saucer and and gave Bob uh, television, 
and uh, couches, birthday party. You know, I think it was an absolute riot. And uh, it turned Bob, in a way, he seemed to have more common sense than Prometheus did. And once in a while, Prometheus's commander would show up, and it, I, I just, I don't know, I just, it struck me when we were talking about that that uh, I always have a canted view of this stuff. And if you can find it, I think it's on YouTube. Prometheus and Bob, I think it's absolutely a riot. So, wow. uh, so in any case, uh, check that out if you have the time. Yeah. Another yeah. issue with, um, yeah. uh, regardless of the communication that was going on, with aliens, if that's what they were, mating with human females, the DNA would have to be almost identical. Uh, well, remember, they were still toying with DNA as well. If we read Stitch in and yeah, what have you, you can there do, were yeah. many went. You know, there were many upgrades, if you will. Yes, uh, that's true. And uh, just because our technology hasn't reached that yet mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, there were upgrades and there were mistakes made. And we could look at centaurs and, you know, uh, mermaids. I mean, uh, if those people really existed, which our ancestors did, they could have been just uh, this, these intelligences touring around. Some of the, croc- the gods of Egypt, some of them were half- Human have crocodiles. Some of them, Horus was a bird beak head and what have you. Maybe those things were real. Yeah, uh, and, and, uh, and, and toy, you know, the, the, this is. But but now we can entertain that. If you had said that 50 years ago, you know, I'd be visiting you in a rubber room, or maybe I'd be in the next room with you. But now we can actually start because we know now that um, there is technology out there. Yeah, and, and you know this whole uh, yeah. this whole thing about not being alone in the universe is making us rethink and rewrite everything. And and getting back to the obelisks, what what again, you know, they're all like rocket ships. I'm not. I mean, it's very obvious. I'm not. I'm just saying. But they all and they're going upward. The Tower of Babel uh, uh, is a tall. You know, it was very tall. It was a, you know, Sitchin says it was possible rocket ship. But there's something about it, and 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 where the ground on which it is is considered sacred. Okay, so so where so is, that means that energy that is around this, I'm you know this is sacred ground. This is sacred ground where this where this obelisk is where this is. Um, you know they said the same thing about the pyramids about some of the obelisks. Well, it was. It was a memorial. Maybe it was. Um, it, it, whatever it was, it was. It was a. Um, it was. All, it was almost put there in reverence to yes. commemorate some individual, some being who was a leader. Now, it could have been a human being, a king, or, or a descendant of the gods. But I, I find that this is curious. Uh, that it's in this phallic rocket ship, as you mentioned earlier in the show. It's got the pyramid on top of it. Yeah. Uh, th- there's something more to it. And it may be just staring us in the face. But, you, uh, you know. Yeah, it, you've hit on an important point there, Michael, with the uh, the the ground upon which these things mm-hmm. sit. Yeah. Uh, were considered very often places of the gods. Yeah. And uh, that's what the literature even says. And uh, if communication were taking place, as in uh, during the Exodus with the, the Ark of the Covenant being placed yes. in a tent, Moses communicating with God through that, 
I mean, what, what's the difference in concept anyway? Yeah, yeah. But what, but it, it, what's so fascinating though is this intelligence tells them how to make the ark. Right. Okay. The this exact is. I, you want to keep in touch with me, Paul? Here's my number. Yes. Well, okay. You, know, you can all just call me. I'm always going to be there. Give me a call. Here, take this gold. I want you to use the gold. Here's some um, these metals here. Uh, this is how you do. It. There's so many cubits here. So many cubits. You got to be careful. There's a little radiation thing going on. You know, you got to put on your breastplate and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're going to wind up with tumors and boils and cancers. Yeah. You know, I haven't created chemotherapy yet for you, so you got to be careful. I'm being facetious. But, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they don't know, man. They're like, you know, they're picking their nose. What? What, what, you know, you don't touch it. Oh, my God, you touched it, and then you fall down dead from shock. Well, you must have displeased Yahweh. I told you, man. I told you to be careful. They don't know. They don't know. Well, you know, in uh, this is some years back, but I believe it was the University of Michigan, an electrical engineering class, actually took the instructions for the Ark out of the Bible and used it and to build it? a replica yes. of it. And it was the thing Woo! was dangerous. <laughs> you know, it would you know people it would shock people and everything else. Now I don't know whether they got it right, but they did. They must have done something. Uh, right, because it. Um, well, hey, you told me two two people got two monks got killed. Uh, yeah, your friend in told Ethiopia you. Yeah, yeah, from the real I, arc, I supposedly. wouldn't want to guard it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. Well, uh, my my friend told me that they they had up until, I guess it was the early 19th century, they had used it in liturgical processions, uh, but Not then it, got, it just deteriorated to the point where they they couldn't. But whatever Watsi had had, apparently. Uh, Stuck with it to, to those two guys uh, who tried to sneak in to see it. Uh, didn't have such good luck. Oh with that. my god! Oh my god! But yeah, a, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, but there's a monk who was appointed for life to yes. guard this, and um, that that's still going on. Yes. So whatever's in there, I mean, they claim it's the Ark of the Covenant. There are other other stories about its fate, but having known. You know this this fellow. I think it's. Uh, I have no problem with with believing that it's an axum, but again, there's another obelisk there, and uh, as you yes. said, there, 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 there's the big one that we just talked about, yeah. and then there are like fifty or four or, or smaller ones. Exactly. They're, they found some at uh, Galapiteki. What is it? They found some obelisks there. Galapiteki. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a symbol that is almost universal. And it is a rocket ship. So, so where where do you go from here with this research? I mean, where, where where do you think research is going to go? I think where it's going to go is to have us rethink everything we were taught about civilizations, about how our early ancestors worshipped. You know, there's Karahan Tepe now, which is which is it may be. It may, it may be a little older than Quebecis Tepe, but we don't know. But that's where they found all these things. People worship there. And we thought that it was mostly agriculture that we being, you know, scholars and what have you. Of course, I'm not a, an archaeologist. We thought that maybe it was agriculture that brought people together. With Karahan Tepe, they're talking about it may have been worship. 
Not the way we know it, because they found uh, some uh, remnants of buildings there where people sat in a circle, and you could sit there, and, and then there's the astronomical um, uh, uh, part, a piece of this, where they could uh, uh, calculate the solstices and what have you there. Well, you so know. this is rewriting everything we knew. We, we thought it was hunter-gatherers. Now, yeah. in some parts of the world, in Turkey, it, you know, I'm, I don't want to generalize, but they're saying that it may not be uh, the, uh, hunter-gatherer or, or agriculture that brought us together. It may have been worship. Well, speaking of which, uh, I guess we, we can take sort of, an, <clears throat> as we'd say in theology, an apophatic approach to our subject. Why were there? Why are there not obelisks at places like Stonehenge, or or were there? Very important worship center. Apparently. It, it it is it is. Um, that's I I don't know I don't know. Maybe there are and we don't know about. But here we go with Stonehenge. Look at that. Okay, maybe different cultures did it a different way. I mean, listen, when we look at the Bible, when 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 Joe, when he's wrestling with the angel, our brother. And he and afterwards he he makes like a little altar, just stones on top of each other. This right. is where I wrestle with this angel. Yeah. This is sacred, okay. This is sacred. Now he he couldn't move tons of stuff. He couldn't, you know. I mean, he got a limp now. He's trying to, you know, pull it together. But he's saying this is holy ground here. This is sacred. When Moses is with, with Yahweh and Yahweh says, "Hey man, give me a, you got to give me some respect. Take those shoes off." This is now holy ground. Now, it could have been because if you get any closer, you're going to die of radiation. It could have been that, but they wouldn't have understood that. And so they walk away, they being Moses, saying, this is where I met God. This is where I'm, this is holy ground here. Maybe Stonehenge, I'm, I'm not saying there are no um, uh, obelisk in, 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 in that part of the world, but those those stones are there. Uh, may, may, maybe off-world intelligences put them there, but this is a memorial. Something happened here. Yeah, well, the things are still being found. Right. And, and the, speaking of Stonehenge, those rocks apparently were were brought all the way from Wales, uh, a quarry there. And so, I mean, again, you know, how does that work? I mean, how is geez. this working? That, that's all. And I think at this stage of the game, the questions are more important than the answers. That's true. At this stage of the game, the, the, the answers may come, and they may not, but the questions are more. See, you couldn't ask these questions before without being labeled a troublemaker. It's like religion. You, there's certain, when we're fighting Iraq, and they're praying to their God, and we're praying to our God, is God whose who side is God on? You don't answer that. You don't ask that. That's trouble. Don't ask me that. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So, so, so but, but, but the question is hanging in the air. Okay, and a good professor will say, "I don't know." Yes. Uh, 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 okay, but but the questions are more important now. We're not saying that uh, a gray or Nordic or a reptilian brought them over. We're just saying, how did they get from Wales to here? That's just the question. Yeah. No one's saying science is wrong or that. Which, but 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 see, that's the questions are important now. Well, a lot of people, uh, good people, are working on this. Uh, now, you and I are uh, serve on the research committee of the Consciousness and Contact Research yes. Institute. Matter of fact, in the new book, we have chapters right next to each other. Yes, which I think is cool. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that uh, there are, and we're among the few who don't have 
PhDs, uh, there are professors, MDs, all sorts of people working on the issue of consciousness, the, the multiverse idea, things of this kind, and what implications it may have for, among other things, what we've been talking about today. So I think that, that there's a, a great uh, sign of hope there. So, so, Michael, where can people find out more about you and get your books, etc.? Uh, you can go to Amazon and just type in Reverend Michael J.S. Carter and the book should show up. Uh, you can go to Barnes and Nobles. You can reach me at michaeljscarter at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go to my website, which is michaeljscarter.com. I, I respond to everything. Um, so feel free. And I also have a web page, uh, Reverend Michael J. Carter on, um, it's a fan page, but, uh, you can reach me on Facebook or you can just type in Michael J.S. Carter. Just, you'll find me. And, uh, and uh, tell me what you yeah. think. Very good. Well, brother, it's, it's always a great, great honor and pleasure to speak with you. We'll be speaking off the air with, we have our famous, uh, personal Zoom calls. Yes. And we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah. Tell Dave I said, hey, and thanks for having me. Stay well. You look great, man. And keep it up. And, um, we'll be in touch. Well, I don't hear that I look great very often. I'll take that as a great compliment. You we'll do. We'll be in touch very soon. Okay, brother. Okay. Let's talk uh, before Christmas. Let's talk before Christmas. Oh, absolutely. Christmas. Okay. I'll okay. be in touch tomorrow. Okay. I'll be here. There's no getting away from me. No, brother. I love it. I love it. And let's do it. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Let's uh, get to some of our announcements here. Uh, look for us at the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine, uh, on April 22nd, 23rd, 2023. Hard to believe that's coming up already. That event will kick off the week before that on this show on April 16th with the, when the event headliners will appear with us, some of us hopefully, uh, in the studio as we did last year. We'll be at the Para Expo 2023 ab- aboard the USS Salem at Quincy, Massachusetts, May 19th to 21st. We'll be among the speakers that will broadcast, we hope, live from the ship on Sunday, May 21st. And uh, other events in 2023 for which we or I will be present include the Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire in September and the Arizona Dowsers Conference in October. Uh, visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find over 1,100 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and right here, WON, AM, and FM. Uh, also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Our uh, website also has a charity page uh, with links to several good causes we have adopted because we know the people who run them and the money goes where it should. So um, we especially want to thank uh, our great uh, producer and station manager today, Dave Richards, who is sitting in for Ben on the board today. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, next week, December 11th, uh, Ben will be back, and we'll bring you an open line show to answer your questions on many, many paranormal subjects. We leave you today with a thought from our favorite 13th century philosopher and theologian, Rumi. When setting out on a journey, do not seek advice from those who have never left home. I'm Paul Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. 
Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Blackstone Valley's home.